Last time on the best bits. We don't have much time. Ensign Deadman, you take a look in the lingerie section, see if anything would fit me. Aye, aye, Captain. Are we breaking the Prime Directive by being in pennies? We are. It's also 1986. Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus. Oh. <gasps> He's dead, Will. Oh, my God, poor Ensign Deadman. Podbot, two to beam up. Come here, we're here talking about Star Trek. For this, I want to focus just on the Golden Age and Silver Age. We're going to properly nerd out this episode. 13 official movies. We're just going to focus on the first 10. Take us out. The motion picture. I know I'm going to go back and revisit that film again and again. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. It's a quintessential Star Trek for me. I love this film. Star Trek III, The Search for Spa. I would say it is a great sequel to Wrath of Khan. Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. I love this film. You could actually even put Shatner in Star Wars. He'd fit right in. Star Wars? I can do Star Wars. That is why you (laughs) fail! I don't get where people are coming from when they say that he is a bad actor. Kirk kissing Eddie Murphy would have been weird. The Final Frontier. What am I watching? I shouldn't be watching this. This is fucking horrifying. How are we going? We're halfway there. It's fun. It's long as well you do. I hope we got this one off to a good start. I hope so too. Prepare yourself. There's an awful lot of Star Trek to cover. Clean up on Iron Six. I'm after slipping in shite. Oh my god, this map is so heavy. You're not better than well, 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 well. This is where I hurt And now, the conclusion. Ten BAFTAs. <gasps> oh, this is so unexpected. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's about fucking time. Come. Ah, Ensign Deadman. Uh, Captain. Do I have to call you Captain? <laughs> yes. Ah, all right. Um, yeah, uh, Will Collins is waiting in the transporter room. He, uh, is ready to go on our away mission. Is he? To get you underpants. Well, we wouldn't want to keep the BAFTA winner waiting. Let's go. Dead man's a weird name, isn't it? Where's that come from? Uh, it's what they used to call me in school. You know, you're dead man. Uh, you know, we, I don't know, it kind of sticked, you know, along with on the different scarves. Huh. Right, right. You know, ever since Pierce got mauled by that badger he thought was a cat, we've been looking for somebody to help us around the pod booth. And and as you know by now, Podbot is a complete bitch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's a character, all right. How are you finding it? This is your first episode, isn't it? Uh, uh, Ah, yeah, it is grand. Like, you know, I need to work. There's not much going around, and it seems that everyone these days is doing a podcast, so I thought, like, you know... Uh-huh. I, I love the ropes. I mean, like, it's, uh, my, my biggest ambition, really, is to do what everybody else does. <laughs> have you won a BAFTA? No. I have not. Oh, all right. Not yet, says you. <laughs> do you get BAFTAs podcasts? <laughs> oh. Dead man. You do make me laugh. Do I? Is that good? You know something, dead man? We're about to head back in time to 1986. Oh. To pennies. In the middle of the January sales. Oh. It's going to be a fucking zoo. Yeah. And you're wearing a red shirt. Fuck. So, heads up. Oh, fuck. 
You're late. Kevin! Will, how are you? I'm fantastic form. How are you? Good, good. This is Deadman. <gasps> Deadman, nice to meet you. Will? Oh, sorry. Lieutenant Commander, Will. New member of the team. Yeah, let's see how long he lasts. Step onto the transporter. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus. I've never been on a transporter before. Like, this is... This is gonna be unreal. Are you bringing your BAFTA with you on an away mission? Oh my god. Do, do you mind? It's just so I could break it in. Yeah. It's kind of nice to take it on a few kind of walkabouts. You've had it a few weeks. Oh, a few weeks, but they say maybe for the first year you can kind of take it with you everywhere for the first year. You know, it's, so as long as it's not obnoxious or anything. You don't, you don't find it obnoxious or anything like that. No, I find it really inspiring. <laughs> Great. If you're okay about it, then I'm okay about it. So, uh, yeah, no, I love it. Pop out. Energize. Oh, Jesus Christ. Good luck finding his size. The best bit. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You are stupid, you have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Don't call me stupid. Kevin. What? Uh, uh, sorry, I was just thinking about dead man. Who? That fella that we had working with us for that day. What? I honestly, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I haven't a clue. Glad he made an impression. Rest in peace. Kevin, we were doing Star Trek. We were doing a big, long, epic episode. We decided to split it into two. And now we're back. Oh, yeah. Right. So, Star Trek, the motion picture. It came out in 1979. We've done it. We've done oh. We've done that. We've done it. All right. We've okay. covered all this. So, we've gone all the way up to five. So now we need to talk about Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Ah, all right. It's 1991. Nicholas Meyer is brought back the sixth film. So it's an even film. And I think this is at the point where they're starting to say, you know, two was great. Three wasn't as good. Four was great. Five wasn't as good. Six is great. And it is the battle for peace has begun. The Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it. To offer Klingons a safe haven within Federation space is suicide. They're animals. Jim, they are dying. You, Captain Kirk, are to be our first olive branch. Me? The galaxy stands at a crossroads. This is the Starship Enterprise. We've been ordered to escort you to your meeting on Earth. Guess who's coming to dinner? I have so wanted to meet you, Captain. One... Warrior to another? Right. On the verge of peace. The undiscovered country. The future. On the brink of war. We come in peace, and you blatantly defy that we haven't fired. According to our databanks, we have. I shall blow you out of the stars. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of universal peace. They're coming about. Battle stations. Fights not to win battles. Incoming. Signal our surrender. Captain? We surrender. But to end them forever. We would consider an attempt to rescue them an act of war. There will never be a better time. This is Captain Sulu, USS Excelsior. We stand ready to assist you. This is fun. You do prefer it this way, as it was meant to be. 
to warrior. She cannot take much more of it. Cry havoc! Kill! And let's slip the dogs of war! Fire! Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. After years of war, the Federation and the Klingon Empire find themselves on the brink of a peace summit when a Klingon ship is nearly destroyed by an apparent attack from the Enterprise. Both worlds brace for what may be their deadliest encounter, and all is not what it seems as Kirk and McCoy are taken captive and blamed for the assassination of a Klingon High Commander. Budget of 30 million, so it's down on what Shatner had. Wow. But... It made it back in its returns. It had a box office takings in the US of 96.8 million. It was the 21st most profitable film of 1991. And at this stage, I think a lot of jokes started to be made about the uh, corsets were needing to be let out a little bit. Right. And uh, getting out of the captain's chair was a stunt. <laughs> it's a farewell to the original crew. And I have to say, this is probably my favorite of the original movies oh wow oh great I'm delighted yeah. wow it's so well written I mean the first Isn't it great? hour of this film is fantastic this is where you get to see the ramifications of what has happened in the other films Kirk detests the Klingons they killed his son yeah and the idea of breaking bread with these people is an affront to him mm-hmm. and the imperiousness of Spock is no longer a steadying effect on him it's actually insulting the dinner scene in this film is just fantastic that's my scene from this movie it's fucking brilliant we're on that curved table we're just we have the Klingons quoting Shakespeare in in the original Klingon back to Kirk you also have there's a a lot of cameos in this one one of them is Michael Dorn Mm -hmm. is playing Colonel Worf who is defending them when they're on a show trial yeah you have David Warner back. He's playing a different character this time and he's under a lot of Klingon makeup. But he is the Klingon high commander who wants to broker peace, who gets assassinated. And you have Christopher Plummer as the duplicitous colonel who is creating this um, false flag operation to frame Kirk. Yeah. And there are two other cameos in this as well. You have Christian Slater, who's got a very brief cameo. and in, 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 He's almost in darkness. He's almost in he? darkness. He's, he, Sulu is no longer a part of the Enterprise. He's now the captain of the Excelsior. Which is the other cameo. In the crew of the Excelsior, we have Tuvok, who is a character from Voyager. And I just watched an episode from Voyager last week where they reprise that scene. I cannot remember that episode, but they do a sequel. Yes. Where it's about Sulu captaining the Excelsior during this movie. Yes. And they use clips from Star Trek VI in Voyager. Yeah, they do. Is it good? It's, yeah, it's a fun episode. It's basically what happens. It's the adventure that Sulu goes on to try and rescue Kirk and what happens to them. Do you notice that there's like about a 20-year difference between... Honestly, do you No, don't, there's not. There's Actually, only, there's not, is there? These were only about five years, maybe a bit more apart, so it cuts together perfectly. And because all the cast were kind of bit players they were able to bring everyone back so it's perfectly replicated I really need to see that yeah it's a fun little episode you have Tuvok who is cast back with um, Janeway isn't that her name Captain Janeway Captain Janeway yeah and there's a moment significant moment because Tuvok was it was one of his first missions where he actually stood up to Sulu 
because Sulu goes off the grid basically trying to help Kirk and Spock and Tuvok is in opposition to that. So it's good. Hang on a second. Tuvok is a Vulcan. Yeah. But he's not a Vulcan on the crew, is he? I was wondering why. But in the, they made it canonical anyway. Voyager went, no, 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 he's Vulcan. But he doesn't have the ears in the That's what I was wondering. Because I was trying to go back and go, well, does he have the ears? But they do say it is him. So it is. Uh, oh, okay. So, so maybe he was going through ear polishing. Maybe he took his ears off. They were away from ear polishing that day. Captain Sulu? And your station lieutenant. We're not giving up just yet. Helm, come about. It's a Cold War story. Yeah. It goes into all that you want out of Star Trek. It becomes an adventure. They've got great comedic moments, even though it doesn't really ring through that Uhura wouldn't have a clue how to converse in Klingon and that they're looking through all the dictionaries and they're trying to like uh, sneak their way into the into the Klingon zone yeah. and laughing and stuff. It's, it's fun. Campy. We must respond personally. A universal translator would be recognized. I also love that Shatner gets to fight himself and he's got some lovely lines in that. It's like, um, <laughs> what does he say? It's something like, uh, I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to kiss himself as well. <laughs> yeah. I also noticed that Uhura and Scotty are a couple in this. Where they're, they're constantly like linking up to each other and oh, they're very affectionate. I like that. That didn't feel inappropriate. It was like some silver haired love. Yeah. I like well, it. Let, let them bump their... <laughs> Uglies. And this is a Agatha Christie story. That's what's so much fun about this. It is, but it's also it, the chamber piece of the, the crew figuring out who the saboteur is. It's great. And you've got Kim Cattrall in this one, who, do you know what? I think it almost should have been Savick. Oh, it would have been great if it was Savick. It would have made sense and would have felt like a nice send-off to that character if it was Savick rather than Valeris, who is the protege of Spock. And the younger mm-hmm. generation. And in this one, they are all accepting that they're going to have to turn in their tunics or yep. hang up their uh, phasers. The younger generation are coming in and they don't share the same morality as the crew. I thought it was a really fun adventure, mystery, loads of twists and turns. You really got your bang for your buck. And honestly, when the crew are framed in that proscenium, which they do frequently in these movies as the final shot and then they sign off literally sign off with their signatures of how they sign off the movie I thought it was just lovely I brought it up on Breaking the Fourth Wall episode and when they just all kind of gather around in that, in the, on the bridge and look directly down the camera it really touched me I found this to be slightly moving and um, yeah it's I love this film I think this film is so much fun fun is the word it's 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 a romp. It's a a mystery thriller. 
It's an espionage thriller. It almost feels like a John McTiernan adventure film at times. And also, again, this wouldn't happen in the era of Roddenberry because we're dealing with racism. We're dealing with elements of the Federation that are stuck in the past and they can't go forward. They can't trust the Klingons. And likewise, the Klingons can't trust the Federation. And it's about moving past that. But what's interesting is how that story mirrored the real world at the time where we were in an era where the Soviet Union was breaking up the Cold War was coming to an end and we as nations were trying to figure out okay what happens next how do we get on with with each other and the film is directly referencing and, and tackling that exact subject and I find that yeah brilliant and we made peace with the Russians and everything was alright in the end <laughs> you know <laughs> and I love the way they, they, they use that bit of that log the captain's log from Kirk you know I've never trusted Klingons for the death of my son and I never will and it comes back to haunt him and I love that Undiscovered Country sixth and final film of the original cast my favourite of the original cast movies it's definitely one to watch it's fantastic I have orders from Starfleet Command we're to put back to space dock immediately to be decommissioned If I were human, I believe my response would be, go to hell. If I were human. Course heading, Captain. Second start of the ride. And straight on till morning. Captain's log, star date 9529.1. This is the final cruise of the Starship Enterprise under my command. This ship and her history will shortly become the care of another crew. To them and their posterity will we commit our future. They will continue the voyages we have begun and journey to all the undiscovered countries, boldly going where no man, where no one, has gone before. The Next Generation was now what everyone was considering to be Star Trek. It really was a fantastic show. I was like obsessively watching it. I had way more affinity for Picard and Data and Worf and Geordi and Crusher and Troy and Tasha Yar and Chief O'Brien, Riker and Barkley. Oh, Barkley. Generations was meant to be a bridge from the old cast to the new cast, a handover. They started shooting a week after they wrapped on All Good Things which for my money is still one of the best finales to any TV show in any genre. Yeah. Come in. Is there a problem, sir? No. I, uh, I just thought that I might, um, I might join you this evening. Uh, if there's room. Of course. Have a seat. Would you care to deal, sir? Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Data. Actually, I, uh, I used to be quite a car player in my youth, you know. 
I should have done this a long time ago. You are always welcome. So, five card stud, nothing wild. And the sky's the limit. And it's a far, far better movie than Generations. Mm-hmm. The show had ended just five months prior to this, so they wasted no time at all in getting this out there, and it feels a little rushed. But I'll play a trailer. In a distant corner of our galaxy, a secret observatory is attacked. A brilliant scientist is found. And a mysterious ribbon of energy, where past and future collide, is unleashed. It's a doorway that we call the Nexus. Every ship which has approached the ribbon has either been destroyed or severely damaged. Obviously, they were looking for something. There's still no indication of why they attacked the station. I must return to the observatory immediately. There's nothing I can do. Timing is very important in my experiment. I have an appointment with Eternity, and I don't want to be late. Someone doesn't care about weapons or power. He just cares about getting back to the Nexus. The star is going to collapse in a matter of minutes. That'll destroy everything in this system. Population? 230 million, sir. Why would he destroy a star? I have to stop him, but I can't do this alone. I need help. I know someone who can. You say history considers me dead. Who am I to argue with history? You're a Starfleet officer. You have a duty. I don't need to be lectured by you. I was out saving the galaxy when your grandfather was in diapers. Now, the torch of adventure is about to be passed. Eliminate them. Klingon vessel decoking directly ahead, sir. Talk it there, French! Fool disruptors! <laughs> Let's go! Let's move them out. Let's go. Take them out. Ten seconds to warp core breach. Warp race for impact! Let's try and cheat death together. Warp one, engage! Star Trek Generations. The tagline to this one was boldly go, which is probably what they were saying to Shatner. <laughs> Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the crew of the Enterprise-D find themselves at odds with the renegade scientist Soren, who is destroying entire star systems. Only one man can help Picard stop Soren's scheme, and he's been dead for 78 years. Directed by David Carson, who'd mostly done TV, he directed eight episodes of Star Trek, four of them for TNG and four of them for DS9. It's written by the writers of the show, and after... 179 episodes of TV 100 more than the original cast the next generation finally got their movie but was it a compromise? Mm, yeah it does feel like it's a compromise inherently in its makeup it's a compromise I enjoy the early scenes where we get to see the original cast back that's on, my favourite scene in the movie as I said I die for the TNG cast the best scene in the movie is the opening. Yeah, and we get Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, um, nervously yeah. nervously leading the ship out of space dock. And, and we get Vasquez as one of the uh, bridge officers. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's right. And I love the moments where, where Kirk is kind of twitching in his seats. Kirk is brought on to the inaugural voyage of the new Enterprise, the Enterprise B. 
and they don't have a full complement of crew. They are doing this basically for the media and Kirk, Scotty and Chekhov have come along to see it off and they get a distress signal and Kirk is watching this inexperienced captain basically try and figure out what should they do? Should they go off and try and rescue these two ships which are trapped in some sort of space anomaly and they're going to be destroyed and Kirk is like holding his tongue until he's given the go-ahead and then he snaps into it and it's he gets a have one last hurrah. I'll take care of it. Scotty, keep things together till I get back. I always do. It's a great little opening, but it doesn't feel like the movies. No. It feels very stagey. Even the sound design, the voices echoed. Yeah. It, it didn't have that sort of cozy, enveloped, like cocoon vibe of the the movie's bridge where the the audio is thick it's like great sound design this felt very sort of like thin it had a budget of 35 million and it made a box office of 118 million so it was the 17th highest grosser of 1994 right which was the year of independence day and what have you it did better than undiscovered country but uh it's an odd duck it's trying to do so many things we're clear. You did it, Kirk! Damage report, Ensign. There's some buckling on the starboard nacelle. We've also got a hull beach in the engineering section. Emergency force fields in place and holding. Where? Sections 20 through 28. On decks 13, 14, and 15. Bridge to Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, please respond. As soon as Kirk is killed in the opening, he's sucked into what they call the Nexus, which is some sort of dilation in space-time where you feel blissful. He's trapped in that. But two of the people that they're rescued is the villain of the movie played by Malcolm McDowell and Guinan, mm. who was the barkeep from the Enterprise D. And she is Basil Exposition in this movie. She allows Picard to know things that he shouldn't know. Was anyone in here? Aye. They really shouldn't have crossed the streams. They shouldn't have had Kirk, even though I'm sure it was just an amazing idea of crossing Kirk and Picard and those generations and that's the central conceit of it. But ultimately, you end up with a film which has been driven by the Next Generation team, but you have them sidelined and you have Picard just um, fanboying over Kirk for you know the final 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And it just feels so... It takes the weight and it takes almost undermines the seven years we spent with the TNG crew because we you know they are their own thing. And they should have just gone and done an adventure with them on their own and left a little bit more time. Yeah, there's lots of things about it that just feel very sloppy. I hate the uniforms in the film. They're all wearing different uniforms and some of them don't even fit them. Yeah. Like you have them wearing the DS9 uniforms because they're trying to keep up to date with the TV shows. Mm -hmm. And they look terrible on them. 
So you'll have Crusher and Troy in the TNG uniforms. You'll have Geordi wearing Colomini's engineering uniform from DS9, where the sleeves are too long for him. Yeah. You, you have Riker wearing what looks like an oversized jumpsuit. Everything just feels cheap and compromised. And the film just keeps starting. Like, this is the only Star Trek film. And as I said, I fucking love the TNG cast. And I loved that, that show. But when you have what looks like a Thunderbirds model of the Enterprise D crashing on that <laughs> model-looking planet, and they keep cutting back to Picard, standing in a barren wasteland, doing nothing, but trying to mm-hmm. talk sense to someone who's on the other side of a force field. Yeah. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's, it was so boring. I was like, where are you now? I'm over here. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm hiding behind this con- this container box. This old fridge. Like, the oh, best God. scene in the movie is probably the destruction of the Enterprise D, but it didn't it didn't hold up for me. And Dennis Harvey's score, he did a lot of the TNG uh, episodes. Again, it doesn't have the same bombast or the same sort of oomph mm-hmm. that the other movies have had with James Horner and Jerry Goldsmith. And even the final send-off with Kirk, even though he gets his heroic ending, it still is just like, oh, is that it? He crashes down to Earth on a bit of a gangplank and uh, dies. It, it, I tell you what, it does a great disservice to the TNG cast because Shatner, again, is brilliant in this. Like, every moment where he's on screen, even when he's just wandering around in a daze where it's like, talking about, that's his dog, and this is he's going to go up there and he's going to walk in and tell his his lady love that he wants to get married or whatever he's magnetic Mm. and unfortunately Patrick Stewart is a phenomenal actor some of the stuff that he did in the TNG series was excellent he's very hammy in this because it's the bloody I I honestly believe it's how the character relates to to Kirk he's so deferential he starts crying no but he he gets news I I just do not like Picard in, in the movies He's a okay. very angry bastard of a captain. He's dislikable. His brother and his nephew are killed off screen. Don't know who they are. He gets a message and he immediately just turns into a, a bit of a prick about it. Troy asks him, what's wrong? Because, you know, she's very sensitive to that sort of stuff. <laughs> and his reaction. <laughs> I'm like, rice man. Take it down at a few levels and and try going like, I'm sensing you're upset. It's like, what? <laughs> I have this theory about Troy from watching the all the, the series as well. She's a con artist. She's well, a absolute bollocks. That that's, was my theory. I just went, Troy is the biggest fucking con artist in this entire franchise. And she's slowly been playing this long game confidence game where she's going to defraud every all of the crew, <laughs> get them, get their bank account details. She's going, yeah. And she's just going, I'm not sure, Captain. I think... Uh, <laughs> Counselor, he's hiding something. Thank you, Counselor. It's like, yes. okay. <laughs> it's like, it's so I, I think they reduce all the characters down to walk-ons yeah yeah and, and it's a it's a real shame they don't really have anything to do i'd say if you took the screen time of the the side characters they probably are on screen for like two minutes each they're, it's they're terrible pro- if, I, if you're coming to this as i was like oh my god i'm gonna get to see the next generation cast in a movie yeah and it's like this is what they give me they were hampered by the fact 
that they were still embedded in the TV series. As you said, their, their DS9 was still going. Voyager was probably about to happen. And the characters in that cast weren't given the opportunity to grow and live a life beyond the series. Like the original cast had when they, with that 10-year gap between the end of the, the original series and the, and the motion picture. We, they needed that time to grow. They needed the world to... They needed a new, a fresh world with a new aesthetic. And unfortunately, they just kind of continued the timeline. They just continued, went from TV show to straight into a movie. The original movies took pains to justify their existence every time they came back, to establish who Kirk was, who Spock was, who Bones was, what they were about, what their dynamic was, and what the, the dilemma of the character in this movie was going to be. Picard in this is, what's, what's his... What's his arc? And, and why is it so reductive? And the other cast, they don't have any arcs. No. There's, there's nothing of any interest happens to any of them. So what did I think of this film? It was nice to see the cast on screen. It was good to see a bigger budget. I liked the new version of the Enterprise D bridge. It was nice and busier. The mm. little raised platform, the people to the sides of the consoles. Troy should never be let helm the ship again. Immediately just crashed the fucking thing. <laughs> Data was funny. Data, you know, having his emotion chip. I I found Data grating, to be honest with you. I just found the whole that whole emotion chip thing. Life forms. Where are you? I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. That was fun, but I do agree with you. As they go along, it gets very grating how much they focus on Data and Picard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They took a month to write all good things. And they took a year to write Generations. Holy shit. And I think too many cooks, too many tinkerings, it didn't pay off. As you said, if you had all good things as a feature film, wouldn't you be happy? Yes, I fucking would. Make that a feature film and I'm happy. It was just amazing. So they came back two years later for what is regarded as the high point of the next generation movies. And it is contention for a lot of people as the best Star Trek film. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Resistance is futile. Star Trek First Contact. In his nightmares, he can see them. In his mind, he can hear them. Look, Judas. In his soul... He can feel them. I've just received a report from Deep Space Five. Long-range sensors have picked up... Yes, I know. The Borg. Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Now, in Earth's darkest hour, he must fight them again. Captain. Earth. Life signs? Population approximately 9 billion. All Borg. How? Time travel. Went back and assimilated Earth, changed history. I must follow them back, repair whatever damage they've done. But this time, they must travel to the past. April 4th, 2063. To save our future. You're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. They invade our space, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here. It looks like the control deck's 26 up to 11. Mr. Data and I are returning to the ship. Don't let them touch you! Uh. Captain! Data! We must activate the auto-destruct sequence. You want to destroy the ship, by the way. You coward. 
any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Let's rock and roll! Destroy them. Watch your future's end. Our shields and our weapons are gone. Resistance is futile. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Don't look, blow up the damn ship! No! We are not going to lose the Enterprise, not to the board, not while I'm in command. Star Trek First Contact. The Borg, a relentless race of cyborgs, are on a direct course for Earth. Violating orders to stay away from the battle, Captain Picard and the crew of the newly commissioned USS Enterprise-E pursue the Borg back in time to 2063, the day before Zephram Cochrane's historic warp drive flight, to prevent the invaders from changing Federation history and assimilating the galaxy. It was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Riker took over the directing chair. It was the 14th highest grosser of 1996. It had a budget of 45 million and it made 146 million at the box office. Wow. So, the most profitable of all the films so far. Alice Creek played the Borg Queen. It was doing what the Star Trek original movies did very well in Wrath of Khan. It was taking an event that was established in a TV show, bringing it back into the movies and paying it off. And for this, it was when Picard was taken capture by the Borg and assimilated mm. when he became Lacutus. And this is him dealing with the post-traumatic stress of that and going up against his greatest villain, the Borg. Mm. Alfred Woodward plays Lily, an engineer from Earth who's brought on board the Enterprise to be treated for injuries. You've got Drunk Troy, you've got Picard and Worf butting heads. It's a banger of a movie. But what did you think of it, Will? I really enjoyed it the first time I watched this when I saw it back in the 90s. And Did you I'm, go to the cinema to see it? Uh, do you know what? I don't think I actually saw it in the cinema. I think I waited for it to come out in VHS. My God. And you call yourself a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I'm a big Star Wars fan. But you know what? On re-watching it for, this, uh, for the research for this episode, it doesn't hold up quite as well as I remember. Why is that? Why? I still had fun with it. I liked the action, kind of the, the gung-ho kind of action tone, the Enterprise itself being invaded and infested by the Borg. I like the scenes of them going going into the bowels of Gimme aliens vibes with their with their elite team trying to kill off the Borg. I liked the dish shootout, the upside down dish shootout. You know where they had to. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was space cool. boots. What, why I didn't? Not that I didn't. I still enjoyed it. It just didn't live up to the let's say the fun that I had with the original movies. It's a very different film to the original. This is more like a horror film. Yeah, a horror action movie. And that's the yeah. thing. It kind of feels like a horror action movie. I kind of st- still feel that all the stuff on Earth felt like a TV set. You know, it felt like an episode from the TV show where I didn't think it, it didn't quite have the same scope as I imagined it had. It felt quite contained and small and everything felt like it was happening at, happening at night. At a campsite. At a campsite, yeah. But still, I enjoyed it. It's my favourite of the Next Generation films by a, a long stretch. Hang on, we still we still have Insurrection and Nemesis. Oh, sorry, hang on a second. Yeah, maybe I should rewatch those right now and reassess this. I do think it's competently directed. I like the action set pieces. I like the opening space battle between the Borg and all those Federation ships and how how the Enterprise itself comes back is kind of kept away from it but they kind of defy orders and they say no fuck this we're going to go back and and um, enter the fight so there's a lot I enjoyed about it but it just didn't live up to the same level that I thought it was 
How about you? What do you think of it? I really enjoyed this film. It doesn't feel like the OG movies. It doesn't have that sort of Christmassy vibe where it's festive. It's not as festive. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a thing that they do in these movies, though, which I, I didn't mind it so much in the original films, but in The Next Generation, maybe because I'm such a fan of the, the cast of TNG, that it bothers me when they don't give them enough screen time. Same. Yeah. So when I'm watching it and I'm like, why am I spending all this time with Lily? Who the fuck is Lily? I don't care about Lily. Why mm. can't this just be... Why didn't they, in the four next generation movies pay off the will they won't they romance between crusher and picard it was set up in the very beginning yeah and they used to have these lovely moments in the show where the only one that picard could really confide in was crusher and they would have late night two o'clock in the morning they'd get together in his quarters and just have tea they would have breakfast together and stuff like that yeah Mm -hmm. and it was like they obviously had great affection for each other. There was that lovely away mission one where they were able to read each other's minds. I love that. It's the final season. I love that episode. It's it's so so lovely. I love it. And everything that's been unspoken comes out. Yeah. I am not being unreasonable. I didn't say that you were. I may have thought it, but there's a difference. You're right. You can't react to every random thought that crosses the other person's mind. I think our link is getting stronger. Maybe if we put some distance between us, that might weaken it. Not that I'm growing tired of hearing your most intimate thoughts. Certainly not. There's a lovely little exchange that happens where Picard says, um, we should go this way. And she pauses and goes, you don't know where we should go. You're just bluffing it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And he goes, "Uh, sometimes as a captain, you have to give the impression that you know what you're doing in order to inspire confidence. But um, I wish they brought some of that energy into these movies. Instead, it's like, it feels like Patrick Stewart wants to be an action hero. So, you know, he'll be in his vest and he'll be having a Tommy gun. That playfulness with the holodeck was fun in this film. I kind of went, oh, I'm, I'm glad they embraced it a little bit. That's one of the best features of the TNG show, the holodeck. I always just end up rewriting these movies in my head of what I would love to have seen from the other characters, mm. what I would love to have seen Geordi do or Worf do. There's some nice moments I think when I, it's, I like that Barkley's there as well I like that he gets a, a little cameo the best scene is probably when Picard and Worf butt heads it's like if you were any other man they've adapted every modulation of our weapons it's like we're shooting blanks we have to work on finding another way to modify our weapons so they'll be more effective in the meantime tell your men to stand their ground sir fight hand to hand if they have to Hi, sir Wait. Captain, our weapons are useless. We must activate the auto-destruct sequence and use the escape pods to evacuate the ship. Now! Jean-Luc, if we destroy the ship, we destroy the Borg. Stay and fight. Sir, we have lost the Enterprise. We should not sacrifice... We have not lost the Enterprise, Mr. Wolf. We are not going to lose the Enterprise. Not to the Borg, not while I'm in command. You have your orders. I must object to this course of action. The objection is is noted. With all due respect, sir, I believe you are allowing your personal experience with the board to influence your judgment. You're afraid. You want to destroy the ship and run away, you coward. Jean-Luc. If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Get off my bridge.
So what do we do now? We carry out his orders. Dyson, Kaplan, start working on a way Wait, to modify the weapon system. stupid. If we can get off this ship and then blow it up, let's do it. Once the captain's made up his mind, the discussion is over. <laughs> Lily. And he goes off into the quarters and, and Lily goes in to basically confront him. And again, they're back to this Moby Dick analogy that was brought up in Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And Patrick Stewart goes full Shakespearean. This is not about revenge. Liar! This is about saving the future of humanity! Jean-Luc, blow up the damn ship! No! No! I will not sacrifice the Enterprise. We've made too many compromises already. Too many retreats. They invade our space, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. And I will make them pay for what they've done. It's the best of the TNG movies. Yeah. The big difference that I would say as well is that for the original movies, we'll call them, the cast themselves weren't, as I've already said this when we were discussing the original movies, the the cast in the show weren't really, they weren't given that much to their relationships, right? So when we went into actually having the feature films, they they, they just built upon the, the kind of the core uh, players and built the kind of like the, the relationships that worked for those stories. What hampers the next generation movies is that we had seven series of mostly great episodes which developed these characters in interesting ways. And each season, each character would become the focus every seven or eight episodes. Yeah. So it would become like a Geordie episode where he is in love with the ship, Mm. the holodeck, or it's one of my favorite ones, Cause and Effect, where it's a time loop, the very first time loop story. And Crusher figures out that something's going wrong and... And even the stuff with Wesley, I loved how they finished Wesley's, even though I don't particularly, didn't particularly like Will Wheaton's performance, but I loved how they finished Wesley's arc from yeah. for season one to season seven. You went, holy shit, that's where Wesley went off to. Oh my God. So when you get to the feature films, you have this rich, deep cast of characters, but you've only got a two hour feature film to do them any service. And you, you, it's impossible. But you know, they can make it easier for themselves. I don't know who said it. Maybe it was William Goldman. Somebody said that a movie can only support seven main characters. That once you get beyond that, it starts to become wieldy and, and things are suffering. Yeah. You've got seven main characters in a next generation cast. You've got plenty of space there mm. to give them all something to do and to make their contribution feel valid and not just be reacting to what somebody else is deciding or asking the question that leads to the other person having the thought that leads to the next thing. It's like these are throwaway moments that you you don't feel like you're getting the best out of them. First Contact, best of the next generation movies. They came back two years later, riding high for what many would regard as the end of the Silver Age of Star Trek. (laughs) tagline for this one which should give you some idea of what's at play here the battle for paradise has begun yes <laughs> where's my ticket I'm just remembering the Baku guy going like yeah <laughs> anyway I'll play a trailer it is human nature to 
to wonder what it would be like to never grow old, to experience utter peace and harmony. And it is also human nature for some of us to want what we do not have. Alert! Area 12! He's trying to remove the headpiece. Do not delay the countdown. And for others to stand in their way. participating in the outright theft of a world. They were never meant to be immortal. Who the hell are we to determine the next course of evolution for this people? Radiation coming from the planet's rings continuously regenerates our genetic structure. We're only moving 600 people. We'll be able to help billions. This is the moment we've planned for so many years. How many people does it take before it becomes wrong? people does it take, Admiral? We wouldn't be tempted by the promise of perpetual youth. There are hard choices to be made. Censorship. Don't let go of this moment. Looks like you're planning on doing some hunting. Return to your quarters. That's an order. No uniform, no orders. The environmental anomalies may have stimulated certain rebellious instincts which could affect everyone's judgment. Except mine, of course. Okay, Data, what do you think we should do? Saddle up. Lock and load. Move these people up! Stand in defiance. Definitely feeling aggressive tendencies, sir. Hold your ground. If a court-martial is the only way to tell what is happening here, I welcome it, Admiral. Join the rebellion. Blow off the ram scoop. Stand by. Full thrusters. Star Trek. Insurrection. When an alien race and factions within Starfleet attempt to take over a planet that has regenerative properties and falls upon Captain Picard and the crew of the Enterprise to defend the planet's people, as well as the very ideals upon which the Federation itself was founded, it's an utterly boring film. Budget 70 million, it made 117 million at the box office. The 40th highest grosser of 1998, that's way, way down on all the others. F. Murray Abraham is the villain. Geordi, we get to see his eyes. Crusher talks about her boobs. Troy has a bubble bath. Worf goes through puberty. And Riker shaves off his beard. Which, if you are familiar with the lore of TNG, where the show got really good when Riker's beard came into play, mm. the fact that they shave it off for this really is a harbinger for how utterly tedious this film is, even though it looks nice. The film is so rushed, the finale takes place on a scaffold and... It's got blue screen all around it and they don't key out the blue screen. They just leave it there. It was meant to be a visual effect and they just couldn't afford it. So they left it blue. Cost 70 million. 70 million. Where is it? Oh my God. I, if you told me this was an episode of the show, I would have believed you. Yeah, I would have said. It feels like an episode of Voyager. Don't, don't you diss Voyager. How very deeply you have disappointed me. Don't you say that about Voyager. You know when Voyager, they'd go off and they'd they find these idyllic... I hate when Star Trek go to idyllic planets. I know. And what, where's the drama in that? Where's the drama no. in... And you know what's frustrating about this planet? I, so. I hate, I hate that Picard is playing away on Crusher with this fucking blow-in. Who is she? <laughs> Fuck she, off. He should be going out and... He should be going out and dates with Crusher. Dirty wee stop out. <laughs> and he's dancing. And he's, he's wearing his leather jacket. And I'm like, 
God, you really are making me dislike Picard. And the the planet they live on is so Northern California with fake grass. They're all playing, you know, sackball. And it's just so blah. This is so bland. The bland world. We have to save the bland world. The score is bland. It's so pastel. And Data is becoming friends with a boy. Oh my god! And the bad guys. You know the bad guys. Their main ba- bad villain move is that they're getting their facelifts. Face they're getting facelifts. Oh my god! Facelifts. The oh, it's just like what they originally. Anyway, it's, it doesn't make any. There's difference. so much tension and drama you could get out of this. Out of aliens wanting to forcibly exile people from a planet that has regenerative properties by putting them in a Truman Show ship and fucking them off into space. Imagine, like, you could get right in there with like what was going on to the Jewish population in the 30s in Germany. Yeah. You could get really heavy and dark on this. You could get so much conflict out of it. There's so much morality at play here. They could have great debates and, and philosophical arguments, which is what TNG did better than most shows then or now. Yeah. Instead, it's just an idea for them to faff about and be like, did you notice your boobs are getting firmer? Yeah. And then Data to go over to Worf and go like, did you notice your boobs are getting firmer? He's not that dumb. You know what? There's a couple of opportunities they missed with the TNG feature films. One, Picard throughout the series was a great lawyer, a great solicitor. They had some great court scenes. He never resorted to violence unless it was the last, 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 last resort. And it pained him hugely. Yeah. He was a pacifist. Yeah. They, that was what that's one element that it was just like holy shit like you know please just just uh, allow uh, give give the character some space to use his bloody brain to use his a uh, power of language to be able to resolve some sort of conflict and the other thing was the one i already mentioned about wesley crusher i was like going wesley crusher effectively becomes a god make that <laughs> a fucking villain Make that some sort of villain. Oh my god, that would be great. Yeah, make Wesley Crusher your villain. And then you've got Crusher and Picard dealing with whether they've got to kill off her son. There you go, exactly. My, like, I'm sorry, like, look, take it, Paramount. Just go with it. I don't know what they've done in the Picard series, but I assume they have to. I'm sure know. it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But in my head, I would first two like, seasons were amazing. <laughs> but in my head, I went, so hang on a second, use what you have. Use what you have. Not start, don't start pulling in what you think an audience might what what you th- i don't know what they were actually thinking because i know michael pillar you know you sent me that book about the the writing of insurrection which i've read the first few pages of and it is fascinating again it was like a star vehicle for patrick stewart you know he was the one that was mandating what he wanted to do and he did not want the movies to feel in any way similar to the show which in many ways that's a noble pursuit but also, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. The cast really enjoyed themselves because they went on a fucking camping trip to wherever. I mean, it does look nice in places. There's a moment where they're on a raft and they're sailing over to this cloaked facility that's in a lake. And it looks very alpine. Like, it looks like it's filmed in Austria. Mm-hmm. But I doubt it was. No, not a good film. Again, boring just like the worst moments of generations but it ends on a high note does it <laughs> well t- uh, Jonathan Frakes was not back to direct this one he was directing other things he was doing Clock Stoppers and Thunderbirds I think he was doing as well he wasn't too fussed about not directing this one 
they knew ahead of time that this was going to be their last movie. The tagline was A Generation's Final Journey Begins. Came out in 2002. I saw it in the cinema. I was furious. It's Star Trek Nemesis. Our eyes reflect our lives, don't they? I can see as well as you can. I can feel everything you feel. In fact, I can feel exactly what you feel. said he's a mirror for me. I need to know where the hell he came from. The same blood runs through our veins. It was as if part of me had been stolen. I can feel your hunger. I must deactivate you. Why? Because you are dangerous. Look in the mirror. See yourself. I'm a mirror for you as well. Don't be so vain. Jean-Luc Picard and the crew of the Enterprise receive word from Starfleet that a coup has resulted in the installation of a new Romulan political leader, Shinzon, who claims to seek peace with the human-backed United Federation of Planets. Once in enemy territory, the captain and his crew make a startling discovery. Shinzon is human, a slave from the Romulan sister planet of Remus, and he has a secret, a shocking relationship to Picard himself. He is his clone. It was a flop. Yeah. Budget of sixty million, box office of sixty-seven million. Directed by Stuart Baird, who had done U.S. Marshals and Executive Decision, and edited a ton of movies, like Superman the Movie. It was the seventy-fourth highest-grossing film of two thousand and two. Written by John Logan, Tom Hardy made his feature film debut, and it's grim. It was also written by Brent Spiner. And Rick Berman has a credit on it as well. Um, mm. I read the, the draft of the script a year before the film came out. and I, So did I. Mm, it was. I also read all the scripts, actually, at the same time. I read that one. Jeez, I used to love that when you get to read a script to a film before it came out. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. And I remember, and this is me, early, early me, who really didn't know about anything. I remember thinking, they've got time to fix this. They've got time to make this better. <laughs> They've got time. This could be. This could be better. You know. Do you know how many times I've read scripts and thought this must be a very early draft? It's yeah. a working draft. It's not the draft. And then you see the film. It's like, oh my it's god, that was the shooting script. Yeah, yeah. And it's filled with typos and mistakes and bad dialogue, like terrible, terrible dialogue. Mm. And you're like, oh, they shot that. I had that. experience. Why am I working so hard? I had that experience watching the film 
and I went, they actually shot the stuff I read. Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. It's shocking. And I know, notably, Stuart Baird, he had no interest in Star Trek whatsoever, which is, you know, it can be kind of a good thing because Nicholas Meyer wasn't really a huge Star Trek fan, if I'm correct. But my God, he did not care one iota about Star Trek. I, I can't remember where I learned this, but he kept referring to George LaForge as the alien. Let's get the alien over here in the shot. <laughs> oh, Jesus. First of all, that's LeVar Burton. Put some respect on his name. Yeah. And secondly, he's human. He has a disability. Anyway, there's two things I like at the film. One is the ramming sequence. Jordy, divert all power to the engines. Take it from life support if you have to. Give me everything you've got. I like when Picard is backed into a corner and he's like, fuck it. Yeah. Ram the cunt. Ready, Captain. We're being hailed, sir. You gotta stand by. Open a channel. I hope you're still alive, Jean-Luc. Oh, yes, I am. Don't you think it's time to surrender? Why should the rest of your crew have to die? Shenzhen, I don't think I ever told you about my first Academy evaluation. In particular, I was thought to be extremely overconfident. Captain, as much as I enjoy listening to you talk, I really think... On my mark, Diana. All hands, brace for impact. Engage. And the ship has been shattered, and the view screen is gone, and people have been sucked out of the bridge, and they're really, like, just fucking smashed the cunt. And I like that. And I like Deanna Troy getting payback against Ron Perlman, where she's able to lock in on him. And while they're cloaked, she's locking in on his coordinates. Why didn't she ever do that in any of the other moments in the series? Mm-hmm. But that's great. And she's guiding Worf with the weapon system. Captain, I think I may have a way to find them. Prepare for a lateral run. All starboard disruptors. What is it? What is it? No. Remember. But the lead up to that is so horrible. Yeah. And and thank God Roddenberry was dead at that stage because he would have lost his shit. The Shinzon commander mm-hmm. psychically rapes Troy. It's like, Jesus, lads. Is that how you need to give her agency is to rape her? Yeah. I didn't like Tom Hardy in this. I didn't like I didn't like any decisions. They they s- segregate the characters to probably their least screen time in all the movies Geordie and Crusher barely appear in this movie uh, Wesley Crusher gets a cameo I think Guinan is in there as well 
Oh, I have no memory. I can't remember. And I've watched this at film. The wedding, at the wedding at the beginning. It's such a sour dower film. Yeah. Data's dead. Too bad. They really wore out their welcome with Data. Absolutely. Throughout the course of these four films, Data just yeah, started to grate on me massively, on, uh, on generations even. And the fact that he had a hand in writing this as well, and it's like he gave himself so much to do. And he wanted to be killed off in Insurrection. Rick Berman said, sorry, kill you later. Uh, <laughs> At least that would have made the Insurrection a little bit more weighty or give it some sort of something to remember. Did you like this film? I hated this film. I saw this film in the cinema. And I really did not enjoy the two hours. It's probably a long enough film as well. The scene that I enjoyed the most was the same to you as that ramming scene. I went, oh, okay, something's happening, ramming. Other than that, there's nothing about this film that really redeems it. You're right in highlighting the mental rape of Troy because for me, this entire film felt like a bit of a rape of the TNG franchise. It felt like it was just tossing it, doing something. Not that it wasn't, it didn't have any respect. It was, it, it, there was it didn't no, have any affection. No, there was, there was, yeah, exactly. There was no affection for the characters. It was just trying to set up this, this nemesis, excuse the pun, for lack of a better term, of Tom Hardy. And my God, it's trying so hard to make him uh, the equal of Jean-Luc Picard. And it's just, it, it's just worthless. It's pointless. It's got no weight to it. It just feels like it's lip service. And I'm watching all this screen time being wasted on that character and this storyline when I'm going, we have these characters that we love and adore over here. And this is the last time we're going to get to see them. And you're just wasting it all. You're just, you're just and also, kissing it away. It ends in such a... Uh, they have a funeral and half of them fuck off. Riker goes off with Troy on his ship. Picard has a new uh, number one. He gets a seatbelt in the extended edition or the deleted scenes. I didn't you know, see where, that. Right. Yeah. It's like the, the, when the captain's tear shakes, braces come up and lock onto his belly. And Crusher goes off to Starfleet Medical again. And it's like, well, this is such a sad, depressing note to send off this cast. Mm. Like, all right. Okay. Well, I see you. Uh, sure. Keep in touch. It's like, thanks for coming in. Yeah, yeah. If the crew banded together to save the best among them. Yeah. And then they signed off. This should have been the Wesley Crusher one. Make Wesley Crusher your your bad guy in some way, shape or form. He doesn't have to be played by Will Wheaton, but just make Wesley Crusher your villain and all of a sudden have a a reveal where it's like, oh my God, it's Wesley. Well, I hated it and I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's making me upset. (laughs) Would this be the worst of the Star Trek movies? Well, it's the worst of those 10. So the only film that's worse than this for me was Into Darkness. So it's my number 12 in the ranking. Yeah, I think Insurrection is better than this for the simple reason that Insurrection at least has some affection for the cast. Yep. This one just feels like it does not give a single fuck about anything or anyone and it's so sour. So yeah, I think Nemesis might be the worst of the films. Yeah. Even though I would watch scenes from this again and again and I would struggle to go back and watch like five or the motion picture or generations and spots. Yeah, this is the worst one. This is the worst. Anyway, so that's our worst pick. And Will, what's your worst scene? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not too bad. Well, listen, Will, we've gone through 10. 
Yeah. Give me your top three of all of them. Not that you're recommending for people, but just in terms of your personal feelings towards the films, which were the three that you enjoyed the most? And then give me your favorite scene. It's actually quite easy because my top three films, and it's, it's quite hard for me to swap out which one is my favorite, is um, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. I absolutely adore that Agatha Christie romp, and it still holds up the special effects of Grace. The cast is fantastic, and it's just so well written. Also, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Funny, enjoyable, fish-out-of-water comedy. And I just enjoy being in San Francisco with that crew. And also Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Those are my top three Star Trek films. So, Wrath of Khan's your favourite Star Trek movie? But I could also be encouraged to make it four or six. <laughs> I don't know which one. Okay. I honestly don't know which one's my favourite. Well, maybe this will help you focus. Which is your favorite scene then? If you were to pick a favorite scene that you watch for all these movies. The scene that has moved me the most and the only time I've ever cried watching Star Trek was the scene where Spock's sacrifice from Star Trek 2. That is, you know, it's a basic yeah. selection, but that's the scene that it really, really moved me when I saw it. The, the decision is done completely without him saying anything he just goes into the reactor core and the, the actions he takes and then when Kirk comes down and the score is building and Kirk comes down so desperate saying what have you done and Spock gets up and straightens his lapel and walks over to Kirk trying to maintain his composure but walks into the glass it's him banging against the glass is the thing that cuts me up the most and then they have that moment where they have that exchange about the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. It's beautiful. And he's basically just holding him like like cradling yeah. him. A true glass yeah. they can't touch. And and it's, it's Scotty as well. And Bones. It's like he's already yeah. dead. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's and, and the funeral scene that follows that is just is so lovely. Oh, and the and the yeah. music. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting choked up just he was the remembering most it. Human. Of all the people I've ever met. Yeah. He was the most human. It's wonderful, really. It's almost like, can you pick anything else? Listen, my top three as well are those three. Right. I would put Undiscovered Country ahead of Wrath of Khan. Okay. So I would go Voyage Home, Wrath of Khan, Undiscovered Country. It might be recency bias in that Undiscovered Country was a discovery for me on this one. Right. But there's so many great scenes in Undiscovered Country. I do think that my favorite scene is the scene you just mentioned. I mean, I'm getting choked up talking about it, but the scene that I'm Great. going to pick, yeah. just to give us some variety, is the dinner scene uh, in Undiscovered Country when all the crew are gathered around and they're hosting people that they have gone to war with and almost been killed by many, many times. Mm. And Shatner, it opens with Shatner opening his napkin and it's such contempt mm. the way that he opens his napkin if anything I've learned from this retrospective is that Shatner is one of the great movie stars this is a fantastic series 2, 3 and 4 are probably one of the greatest trilogies ever made they really are if you want to watch those three together you're not going to miss but Undiscovered Country is one of the finest farewells to a beloved property it really hurt me that TNG the movies weren't as good as the show because I was raised by the TNG cast. 1987, that show started, ran 94. I parked myself in front of the TV every time it came on. So many moments that will stick with me forever. I've watched the series countless times. 
every so often I'll do a pick me up and just go back and rewatch it again. The movies let them down. But the OG series of films, all of them, all six, are really work well. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just fantastic. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the banquet scene from the Undiscovered Country. Uh, and for me, Star Trek is at its best. And in the series and in the in the movies, when we have a good family of characters at, at its core, played by stalwart actors, and the relationships they have between each other, and when their those relationships are central to the drama, or not even central to the drama, but are underpinning the drama that's at play, and I think that's when the shows and the films really shone, and that's something I hope that the franchise remembers going forward. Picard season 3 is coming soon it reunites the TNG cast I hope to God it will be good and just get back to them feeling like Christmas movies yeah that would be great wouldn't it Flood the whole compartment to die. He's dead already. It's too late. Spark. We are assembled here today to pay final respects to our honored dead. Of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Others? Double episode. Podbosh, take us home. You need to spin the wheels. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Belay that order, Podbosh. <laughs> we have to spin the wheel for the next episode. Oh, spinning the wheel. What's going to be the topic that I'm going to have to spin three oh, hours? Hang on. 
Okay. Best magical realism scene. Okay. Right. Magical realism. Right. Wizard of Oz is magical realism, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Well, we'll find out next week. <laughs> Warp 9, Podbot. Ward 1, engaged. Take us out of here. <laughs> we'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye. This is not over. Just you wait. You dirty liners. The Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon member where you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to. And you'll receive access to our Discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners. Search The Best Bits Podcast on Patreon or click on the link in the show notes. And here is a clip from the lad's latest Mini Bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Mini Bits. Another new episode. Of this Patreon podcast. Exclusive. The Best Bits podcast will Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this. I've got my corns sorted out. I went to the Chiraptus the other day and uh, she Your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Did you, ever, did you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is? Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it? Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that. Do you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house? You walk no, barefoot? I, I, I wear... No, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women oh. who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like, you know, before the turn of this yeah. last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a Mini Bits episode where we get people disgusted. Squally, it's episode 73 of the Mini Bits. <laughs> I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is yeah. our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. Yeah. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode and yeah. I'm like what did we how did we say it what did we say on that episode that's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes maybe it didn't sound as desperate maybe we said don't join maybe reverse psychology that's how we should do it reverse psychology don't join up to our patron don't it's <laughs> You don't des- Everybody you, cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you. We don't. We don't need anybody. <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people we we did? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't say it on mic, especially so early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you think yeah. I? How do you think I did? I, I I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. 
one of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the Examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And, and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the Gar- Guardian as well. Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. We don't do anything. Well, this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage, which is going to be mad. So um, uh, listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're, 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 you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his Patreon dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold. I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Those I, are my Prince Albert. <laughs> Your hat? <laughs> yeah. I Speaking of, of which. I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want. So I can go bing whenever I'm on a call. Oh, uh, yeah. Bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like glitch. Yeah. Like a starlight twinkle. <laughs> speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what, we, what, did, what did you want to speak of? Which? Start the timer. Oh, I forgot. You may as well. It's start just, the timer. They, all, all these lucky loos are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But we have to start talking about them after. Yeah. We, we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix forward to watching thing. that. Very soon. Okay. Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um, what else did I see? I made notes, but sure. It Jeez. doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So um, I'm Well, the Joker your... 2 trailer came out today. I saw it. Yes. I watched that. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago. Yeah. It's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that? I think you're right in saying that. So, look, hey. Listen, uh, I actually, what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch, rewatch The Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was a kind of a bold new direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be... Just to fill me in like on the lore. <laughs> get up to speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be there going, where... Where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where when are they going to show up? And like it's you know, a bit of a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is its own universe entirely. Mm. And then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just I don't know. I'm kind There's of so many IP. But like this, what well, what's happened is the world, the comic book world, has very much entered the the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different insane. authors, and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh, it's oh, this is insane. the thing, Kevin. So I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod, on a podcast. Wait, was it on one of those? Uh, it was the last. Show? It was the last mini bits. Uh, I you, think. you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently. And have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to rise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people. No, people under score trying to every, rise oh you. Oh my god! Oh my god! I could start posting though, like um, tweets, comments, TikToks, 
uh, articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's everywhere. And the other thing, do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They would just, they're morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word. A-L-O-T, a yeah. lot. Where has, where have they gotten into their heads that a lot is one word? It's the same way that people will write every time as one word. What's the one that you've, you've pulled me up on a few times and I can't get it right? Compliment. Compliment. I can't, <laughs> but I can't get it right. It's like the you I. because I told you the other day. Yeah, and I went searching for it and I couldn't find it because I had to actually had to an, use it. If there's an I in compliment, it's yeah. I'm paying you oh, a compliment. That's a good way to remember it. Okay, good. And then compliment. I, I wrote that to you. But you did. And I went to try and find it because I was I found myself writing the word compliments. And I went, shit, Kevin. But, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up, which meant in my world that, yeah, I read that. Thanks. But I did, right? I'm talking about a couple of days later when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment, I went, okay, what did Kevin say again about compliment? There's an I and the E. What did he say? So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the I is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's insane how little you can retain information. It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all my sound effects. When you said start the timer, like, I have a whole fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. Ah. Jesus Christ! Where's me fucking? What? Where's me ding dang ding? Ding. Here we go. The timer that. has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.